In the next episode of Probably True Solar Stories, two teenagers are having a private moment in the hills above a utility substation when suddenly they happen upon a terrorist intent on bringing down their local grid. Will the teens escape and defeat the terrorist? Yes, but only with the help of some very modern and very real solar and clean energy resources. Welcome back to Episode 4 of Season 2 of Probably True Solar Stories. Do you like action crime stories? Then I think you'll appreciate this solar noir action crime story. It was inspired by several very real grid terrorist events. We'll have some more commentary about that at the end of this episode. For now, turn off the lights, get comfy, and imagine yourself as a teenager. It's a dark, moonless night. There are stars above, and below are the lights of a small city and a local utility substation. How romantic. Except then you hear the sound of rifle shots. Not good. Okay, here we go. The Caveman, The Devil's Tools, and The Grid. Written and read by Tor Solarfred Valenza. What was that? asked Nate. I don't know. Sound like firecrackers. Kiss me. No, Gwen, that sounded like gunshots. Gwen sat up, frustrated. They'd been lying half-naked on a blanket set on the hillside of Knox Summit. Below was the glow of the Knox Electric substation and the streetlights of Knox City. Above was a canopy of thin green leaves, ripe black olives, and a white polka-dot ocean of tiny stars. Who would shoot a gun all the way up here? Gwen shook her head. Finally, they were going to do it. She was ready. He was ready. Gwen's parents were not ready. But really, when are parents ready for their kids to have sex? Never. What mattered was that she had made all the mental and physical preparations. And they were just heading around second base when those damn firecrackers went off. Gunshots? Seriously, Nate? Yeah, seriously. I've been to a shooting range before with Pop. Why would anyone want to shoot up here? She looked at Nate staring at Knox City instead of her bare chest and took that as a sign. As Gwen searched for her blouse, the valley of the city lights below began to darken. It was as if a light bulb ghost were going around street by street, pulling the string that turned off the lights at every house and every street light in the city. Holy shit! That's when Nate knew the gunshots were real. When they'd laid down their blanket, he'd noticed the Knox City substation's transformers. It reminded him of a news report he'd seen about terrorists attacking a Maryland substation. Guys with rifles had shot holes through the transformers, which convert high-voltage electricity into low-voltage AC power that feeds into the wall sockets at home. To work right, transformers needed to be cooled by some kind of liquid. So if you can make them lose all their cooling fluid with accurate shots from a sniper, they'll eventually break, and so will the substation and any nearby local grid. Holy shit, Gwen said. Quiet, Nate whispered. This is serious. Below on the hillside, Nate and Gwen heard a rustling from the lower bushes and olive trees. Nate grabbed their blanket. A cloud of condoms, tightly rolled joints, fallen olives, and Hershey's chocolate kisses flew into the air, then landed somewhere on the ground. 
Nate thought the chocolate kisses would be funny and romantic. Gwen loved the gesture, but said she was trying to clear up her acne. She'd save them for next time. Would there be a next time, thought Nate? Yes, he would not die a virgin. I hear you, came a sing-song voice from down the hill. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. Nate and Gwen froze, standing behind their slanted olive tree. Without any moonlight or city lights, they were hidden in a dark gray watercolor painting of sage bushes and olive trees. From their camouflage, they could barely see the outline of a tall, bearded man wearing a black knit cap and carrying a long-barreled rifle. Nate held his breath. Ten feet in front of them, he saw the shadow of the bearded man pass their hiding spot. Come on, I'm not going to hurt you. Yet, thought Bart. He had purposely not bought a flashlight in case a police helicopter had sped to the Knox hillside, but he now wished he had one, or at least a lighter. Bart knew that they were there, two of them, probably young. He'd heard their chatter from down the hill. But had they gotten up the hill already? He didn't think so. As Bart kept moving slowly up the hill, Gwen looked at Nate and could see him slightly smiling and nodding. They were going to be okay. Nate almost leaned in to kiss her. But then there was a harsh alarm sound that simultaneously blasted from both their cell phones. It was the wireless emergency alert sound system that was telling all cell phone users about the blackout. Nate pressed Gwen back against the tree, not wanting her to move. Then he stepped forward. Okay, you got me. I can't see you and you can't see me. Please, just go. You alone? asked Bart. I thought I heard two emergency alerts. Just me. I was trying to get away from my parents and just smoke a joint. Honestly, I can't see you. You can't see me, right? Bart thought about it. The kid, he definitely sounded like a kid. He was right. From this distance, he couldn't see the kid's face. The kid couldn't see his either, except maybe his beard. Bart could shave off his beard for a while, but he didn't want to. He liked his long beard. Was the kid worth him having to go clean shaving for a few months? Kid, you came on the wrong night to stargaze and smoke a joint. But the world as you know it is coming to an end anyway. What do you mean? I mean computers, your iPhone, lights, television, video games. They're all about to go away. How? Oh, this was just a test. We're bringing down the whole U.S. grid. Why? because the grid powers the tools of the devil. I mean, look at you. Your phone just gave you away. I didn't get an alarm, because I don't have an evil-eye cell phone. Sorry, kid. Bart raised his rifle. He couldn't quite see the kid, but he was close enough. Wait, you should know something first. Bart heard some rocks tumble down the mountainside, but the kid was still there. Oh, what's that? My girlfriend has the fastest underhand softball pitch in the U.S. Well, sign her up for the major leagues. What's that got to do with me? As soon as Bart asked that question, he suddenly knew the answer. But Gwen's underhand fastball answered first. As Bart raised his sniper rifle, he barely saw a gray, jagged softball-sized rock appear out of the dark. Immediately, he felt a sharp pain on the side of his head. 
Timber, he thought, and fell to the sloped ground. Bart was stunned, but not unconscious. Feeling the vibrations of the two runners coming towards him, he blindly aimed rifle shots into the air and the surrounding woods. He tried opening his eyes and felt blood tripping down the left side of his head. The good news was that he didn't hear any more footsteps. Had he gotten them? Another sharp rock hit his head. Fuck! Bart fell on his back and felt more blood dripping, this time on the right side of his head. Stunned, he tried to sit up and then felt a strong tug on his rifle's shoulder strap. At the same time, he was overwhelmed by the smell of rose-scented long hair dragging over his face, and he gagged. He hated perfume. It was the smell of the devil. With as much strength and consciousness as he could gather, Bart opened his eyes wide and screamed, I am a caveman! It worked. The demon hairy smelly girl over him shrieked and let go of the rifle. But then she recovered and kicked him in his thigh, trying for between his legs. Thankfully, her varsity soccer girl aim was less accurate than her Super League softball pitch, but it was still painful. Caveman except for the gun, you hypocritical piece of shit, shouted Gwen. Forget it. Let's go, Nate said, pulling on Gwen's arm. Gwen stopped trying to pull the rifle from the bearded man's shoulder and ran up the hill with Nate. Lying on the ground, Bart knew he had to finish his mission, or his cavemen brothers and sisters would finish him with their own stones and knives, dull knives. I am a caveman. Cavemen do not lie down when they are injured. They get up and run after their prey. Bart wiped the bloody sides of his face. He felt like his head had already been stabbed with a knife, but it was just the rocks. This is good pain, he thought. This is the same pain that my great-great-Nanderthal ancestors felt. He got up. Caveman, 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 he repeated, and grunted up the hill. Bart could see the shadows of the kids. They were just reaching over the crest of County Road 23. At the top of the crest, Gwen and Nate were disoriented. They could barely see the road. Was Nate's Tesla Model Y parked to the right or to the left? They did not want to be searching for their car and run blindly into the caveman, who would also be looking for his caveman truck, wherever that was. Which way? said Gwen. I don't know, said Nate. He turned on his phone's flashlight. No, said Gwen. He'll see us. Turn it off. Right. Okay, let's try left. They ran to the left, hoping Nate's dad's Tesla would appear out of the darkness. Why did his father order solid black? What a stupid hearse color. I think I see it, said Gwen. This way. Gwen took Nate's hand and guided him to the silhouette of a Ford 150 pickup truck. It had to be the caveman's. Wrong car, said Nate. Keep going or go back. Shit, I don't know. Then Nate remembered the Tesla app. If he still had cell service, he could remotely turn on the headlights, and if it were close enough, he could bring the Tesla to him with smart summon mode. Nate checked his phone. There was one bar. Thank the energy gods that satellites were powered by solar panels day or night. Gwen was about to run in the opposite direction when Nate put his hand on her shoulder. Stop, Gwen. I think I could turn on the car, and maybe even bring it to us. Nate opened the Tesla app and pressed the summon button. 
Yes, the Tesla's lights went on. The bad news was that it was back where they had come from. Worse, the headlights revealed a bloody-faced Mr. Caveman crawling to the edge of the road, his rifle still strapped to his back. Move towards the car, whispered Nate. He kept his Tesla app open and kept pressing the summon button. Still on the ground after his climb, Bart saw the lit Tesla and thought the kids were inside the electric devilmobile with their heads down below the windshield. He got to his feet and started walking towards the Tesla, not realizing that Nate and Gwen were behind his back. Gwen picked up another rock on the side of the road. She once again wound up for another underhand fastball to the back of the caveman's head. But Bart heard their feet. At the last minute, he turned around with his rifle. Although Gwen had been headhunting, her underhanded fastball zoomed right into the strike zone, punching the caveman's balls. Hi, said Quinn. Strike two, you son of a bitch. Bart immediately keeled over, coughing and gagging, but still clutching his rifle pointed askew to the stars. Without the lights on, he could see those stars so clearly, the lovely stars. If only they could soothe his broken balls. Cave man, Bart croaked, painfully gasping on the pavement. As soon as he recovered, he would have them. But just as he lifted his head, the Tesla started moving toward him without a driver. What the fuck? Being a caveman, Bart didn't realize that the Tesla Devil Mobile was programmed to stop for obstacles. He rolled over just in time, just as the Tesla slowly and safely drove past him at five miles an hour. When the car reached Gwen and Nate, they quickly opened up the doors and got in. Nate was behind the wheel and stepped on the accelerator, leaving skid marks from the Tesla's 475 pounds of torque. On the ground and still bleeding, Bart would still not submit. Seeing the Model Y's taillights disappear, Bart inhaled. Cave. Man. He grit his teeth and limped towards his Ford pickup truck, illuminated by the passing Tesla. When Nate and Gwen arrived at Nate's parents' house, the house was dark. His parents were out of town, and his sister was at his friend's. Normally, a garage door wouldn't have opened in a blackout, but their solar-powered home had a 12-kilowatt-hour battery system that allowed them to remotely open the garage door and park inside. Nate pressed the garage door close button. Thank God we're safe, said Gwen when the garage door shut, but they weren't. Bart thought he was only 30 seconds behind. His 1987 F-150 4.9-liter inline-six with fuel injectors did not have the torque of a Tesla Model Y, but he was still able to follow that Tesla, and he saw those kids turn right onto their dark suburban road. He turned on his brights. The headlights illuminated 30 dark houses on the street, some filled with candles, except for one. There was one with solar panels on the roof and was lit up like a lighthouse. Of course, that had to be the home of Fastball Sally and the Devil Mobile. Bart parked in Nate's driveway and cut the engine. No more rocks. He knew he had a concussion, but cavemen survived concussions, ball bustings, and worse. His head still bleeding, 
he gripped his rifle. Two quick shots. If the kid's parents were home, oh well. Then he'd get back to the big cave. His cave sisters will tend to him with natural poultices, the ancient prayers, and hopefully a cold bud light. Cold bud was not drunk by cavemen, he knew that. But they did have beer, or mead, honey beer, something like that. If Bud were around, Bart suspected it would have been the caveman king of beers. Dun. La, 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 la. When Nate heard the caveman's car pull up to the driveway, he looked up. Lights. His parents' smart home was too damn smart. It was programmed to turn on the lights after opening the garage door. Both Nate and Gwen tried calling the police and their parents, but they kept getting a recording that all circuits were busy. Text bounced back, undeliverable. What do we do? Gwen whispered. For a brief moment, Nate thought. Then he said, We're going to turn everything on. When Nate's father and mother went solar, they decided for a full smart home upgrade. Not only did they have battery backups, they had a smart panel that could remotely turn devices on and off. That would be useful. Nate led Gwen deeper into the house when they heard a rifle shot at the front door. Bart stood at the door, aware that he was about to walk into the devil's lair. Yes, he knew that his Ford, the rifle, and the silencer weren't exactly cavemen technology. Neither was his flashlight. He and his cavemen brothers and sisters debated often about these hypocrisies. But Bart reasoned, that they had to meet the devil with their hell weapons. Soon they would go back in time. It was the demon grid that had created the most pain for everyone. Electricity should never have been discovered, or invented, or whatever. Now, with his modern fire stick and bullet stone, he was entering a true electric den of iniquity, and he would now kill his evil electric enemies. Bart thought about returning to his cavemen lair. Then he would tell this story around the fire, and his cavemen and women plan would be in awe of his strength and perseverance. Then phase two would begin. The cave clan would take down multiple grids on the same day. When coordinated, America would return to our rightful Stone Age. Only the true prepared cavemen and women would survive. Thanks to the trials of today, Bart expected that he would be elected King Caveman, or President Caveman, since kings were born from God, and he was not God. No, sir, God would not have fucked up as bad as this. But presidents, they were human. Bart growled, annoyed by his being distracted by politics. Politics was not the work of the cavemen. He was a hunter, and he will now hunt these two electric devil worshippers. Bard shot open the door's lock and stepped through into the empty foyer. He still felt dizzy, but he wasn't shooting a target hundreds of feet away. These kids would be closer than a deer. Okay, softball champions, you got me good. But the fight ain't over yet. Ready or not, here I come. I am. What the fuck? Suddenly all the lights turned off and Bart was in pitch black darkness. Fuck said Bart aloud. He'd wish they'd left the lights on. Nate had toggled off the lights from his iPhone. His intention was to lead the cavemen away from their hiding spot while he and Gwen prepared other smart home weapons. 
you throw something at me, I now will know where you're hiding this time. In answer, the lights to the stairs went on, startling Bart. Oh, inviting me upstairs, kids? Okay, let's play. Bart bolted up the stairs, his rifle ready. In the middle of climbing the stairs, the stair lights went off again and Bart tripped. Look! Well, that's not very nice. Gonna ambush me now? Huh? Huh? Bart shot blindly up the stairs. Nothing happened. Then he heard the sound of a television down the hall and saw the glow of a blue light. He bolted up the rest of the stairs and head down the hall, then slowly opened the door and saw an empty TV with a camera on top. He peered into it. You looking at me? I'm looking at you, devil youngins. I'm tired of this magic electrical mystery tour. Come on after me. Fight like a caveman, not like a Best Buy sales dude. In answer, a robovac abruptly turned on, unhitched from its cradle and headed toward Bart, its vacuum on full power. Bart aimed his rifle and shot the robovac twice, but it kept going. Electric devil tortoise. Take that, ye demon. Bart kicked the robovac onto its back, then winced from hitting his toe on the hard plastic. He breathed in the pain. Cave, man, is that all you got? Bart sniffed and smelled something familiar. Are you making me coffee? How kind is that? Bart ran down the stairs, stumbled on the landing, and felt his way to the barely visible kitchen. The coffee maker, however, was empty. Then he noticed a faint light coming from the door next to the kitchen. It was, Bart knew, the faint light of a demon cell phone. Bart raised his rifle and shot through the door ten times. He waited and heard a groaning sound coming from the other side of the door. The faint light went out. Gotcha. And ironically, it was your own devil light that gave you away. Bart pushed through the door. He had expected a closet, but it was too big to be a closet. Then he realized it was the door to the garage. Like the house, it was pitch dark. He did, however, smell coffee, and he wondered why they would make coffee. And just when he figured out why, Gwen threw scalding hot coffee in his face. Bart screamed in pain and dropped his gun. Through scalded eyes, the last thing he saw was the black hood of a Model Y Tesla plowing into his body. With its 475 pounds of torque, backing 4,500 pounds of steel, the impact hit Bart so hard that he flew back into the garage and created a six-foot square hole in the garage's back wall. Gwen stepped forward, still holding the empty coffee pot, staring at Bart's motionless legs sticking out of the wall. Nate got out of the Tesla and hugged her. Strike three, caveman. You're out. Well, that was a fun action-packed smart home solar story, wasn't it? Personally, I have nothing against people who want to go off-grid and simplify their lives. It can be done very easily today. Look at the Amish and millions of Jews who observe the Sabbath every week. But that lifestyle isn't for everyone. And certainly, people shouldn't be trying to shut down the grid with a few rifle shots. But that's exactly what happened in real life. There have been several incidents in the last 10 years where people are trying to take pot shots at substation transformers. 
As mentioned in the story, those transformers work with an oily cooling fluid, and if that fluid suddenly drains out from a few sniper shots, then there could be a regional blackout. Check the show notes for links to stories about those incidents. States are now trying to harden and protect substations from gunfire, but it's an expensive and slow process. As for the smart home tech in the story, it's also real. There are smart home devices that can control any light, appliance, entertainment system, or even your hot water. You can even control many of these devices with your voice. Tell Alexa to turn on the TV and shut off the kid's PlayStation after an hour? That can happen. And of course, when there is a blackout today, smart solar and battery systems will back you up. As for the remote Tesla control system, yes indeed, summon function exists too. You have to be within a short distance, but it's certainly possible for a Model Y to drive over and save you from Bart the Caveman. I hope you're liking this season's Solar Noir stories. Next week, we'll shift gears to another favorite pop culture genre, magical realism. In this case, it will be magical solar realism. It's not solar noir, but there is a death and a rebirth of sorts. Until then, if you love this episode, please do share it with a friend and give it a review. People remember stories and experiences better than facts. So if you'd like to communicate to customers with a story, I have some creative solutions for that. Check out the probablytruesolar.com sponsor page. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I am planning to do some live storytelling. Sign up for our newsletter to hear about those events. And let me know if this is one of those stories that you'd like to hear live someday. The Caveman, The Electric Devil, and The Grid was written and read by Tor Solarfred Valenza. Probably True Solar Stories is a production of Unthink Solar PR and Communications. Be bold for solar. Stand out and educate. See you next time.